Discover, this is Daniela. Hi, it's Jennifer Coolidge. I just want to thank you for making me feel so special. I earned cash back on debit for my dinner party groceries. That's great. But with Discover Cashback Debit, we give everyone cash back on everyday purchases. Anything else I can help you with? Do you like asparagus and mushroom sorbet? I've got leftovers. Introducing Discover Cashback Debit, a checking account with cash back. It pays to discover. Eligibility in terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. From the home of TV news, interviews, and reviews, this is the Custard TV Live. It's the Custard TV podcast. I'm Luke, editor and runner of the website, thecustardtv.com. Now, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll know I've been banging on about a new ITV drama called Prey for quite some time. Well, it starts on Monday, and it is absolutely brilliant. Do not miss it. It stars John Sim as policeman Marcus Farrow, a man forced to go on the run to clear his name. It is really exciting and exhilarating. If you've seen the trailers, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm very excited today to be joined by writer Chris Luntz. And Chris, you must be very pleased with the way ITV have trailed this and supported this already. Absolutely thrilling. I mean, they've got behind it from from day one, really. And, you know, what they've done with the marketing has been absolutely fantastic to see. Um, You know, they've, they've been trailing it for... Um, about a month before it's due to TX, which was quite exciting. And then when I saw the the trailer, I mean, it looks like a movie, which, you know, for me, it's just wonderful to see because, you know, I get the goosebumps same as everyone else, hopefully. Um, they've done a fantastic job. All the press stuff that I've read has you down as a TV newcomer. Now, I, I appreciate that probably doesn't mean you've just bought your first television. Yeah. That means that you, you, you're, the, you're a new writer. How does it feel? that you're now a TV writer? Well, it's, it's interesting because I do see that quite a lot, you know, um, TV newcomer, but, you know, if I'm honest, it's taken like 10 years to become an overnight success. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, I've been writing for, with a view to writing television for the past 10 years, uh, for the first six years of that I was employed and doing it kind of part-time. And then it was in mm. April of 2010 that I got made redundant and I thought to myself, well, you know, with that safety net gone, maybe now is a good time to kind of it be make or break, and I had a bit of redundancy money. So I don't know whether it was a whether it was luck or it was the fact that that safety net had gone now and that it had to happen or I had to find something else to do. That prey happened quite quickly after that. Um, but I, I mean, one thing that I do advise uh, writers is that maybe it is a good idea sometimes to work without the safety net of a, a full-time employment and see what happens then, because I think that really does kind of sharpen things a little bit and make things, you know, very, very real. Um, so, yeah, so, so when they do say this TV newcomer, I mean, pra- prior to, to, to Prey, I think I'd done an interview recently and I kind of worked out how many um, projects I'd worked on that hadn't happened. And by that, I mean, yeah. stuff that I'd been, 
had had the interest of production companies and it was close to 80. There'd either been treatments that had been commissioned or in some cases right up to a commission script which didn't, didn't get over the final hurdle. So praise the first thing I've had enter production, but you know, I wouldn't like anyone out there thinking, oh my God, it can't be that hard because you know, there was a lot, a <laughs> lot of work prior to getting there. <laughs> I was very uh, lucky last year to speak to uh, Nicola Schindler, who I've admired for a long time over at Red. They make amazing programmes. So can you talk to me about how you uh, came to her attention and, and what she's done for you as far as to get play off the ground? Been a, I've been a good friend of Nicola Schindler's for, for a long time, for almost as long as I've been writing. I mean, I used to work for CGI, you know, content graphics. So they had a relationship yeah. with Red Productions before I was actually, you know, kind of considered a writer. So I knew Nicola. And uh, what happened was I'd gone to Nicola with a, a science fiction idea um, about in about 2006. And we just struck up a rapport. And I think she just liked the cut of my jib, basically. I was, she's not a science fiction fan. And I think the fact no. that, she, that, that, that what I was developing appealed to her suggested that there might be something, you know, in my writing. So basically, she supported me from, from day one of, of, of me being a writer or, you know, claiming to be a writer. The truth is, when I met her, I had no right whatsoever to say I was a writer. I was just someone who, was, who, who thought it was something they could perhaps want to do. You know, we, we, we developed a couple of ideas together and she mentored me a little bit. And then we had a very, very near miss with a, with a, a project called Masks which for a while had, the, um, had a lot of interest in the BBC. They commissioned a script, but it was a, it was a very real-world superhero story. And at the end of the day, as much as Polly Hill liked the project, it was just difficult to sell anything that was high concept. So that was when me and Nicola sat down and she said, look, Chris, you know, you could be, you, you have got the potential to, to be a, 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 you know, a good writer, but while you're pitching this high concept stuff, you're probably not going to get anything on at the moment because, you know, you've got two things going against you. One, you're an emerging writer, so you've not done anything. And two, the stuff that you're developing is, is a difficult sell. So it was then that we sat down and, and, and I said, well, what if we did a fugitive story? And Prey came out of that meeting. I mean, the, the, the kind of DNA that we discussed when we first sat down to discuss the project was that, that this had to be a completely ordinary bloke. And Marcus Farrow is an absolutely ordinary bloke pushed into an extraordinary situation. And that was the first big thing. He wasn't the usual hero that you'd find in a Hollywood movie. He wasn't, you know, uh, John McClane or he wasn't, um, you know, Mel Gibson in Lethal Weapon. He was an ordinary no. copper. So that was the first thing. The second thing was what motivates him. And what motivates him is clearing his name in the eyes of his family. He wants to get back to his sons. So it wasn't revenge. It wasn't, you know, some sort of heroic ideal. He wanted to be able no. to look his sons in the eye. Now, once we'd set those two temples, the ordinary guy, and he's driven to kind of get back to his family, get back to his sons, everything else was built around that. Although it's a fugitive story, it does dabble, obviously, in the crime mm -hmm. genre. And that is a genre we see over and over again on, on television. How daunting was it to write another crime piece? Well, well, the interesting thing is, you know, I've not done one because I've done all this kind of bobbly-headed aliens and science fiction and stuff that on Mars. So for me, it felt incredibly <laughs> fresh. It felt like, you know, it's something I had attacked. So to, so to me, it was, it, was, it was all brand new because I'd never even considered doing a crime drama. As you say, it is a crime drama with the police doing what the police do. But I think it kind of set, stands apart from other crime dramas in the sense that it doesn't necessarily feel like one as such. 
you know, so, so I didn't really find it daunting. I found it an enjoyable challenge because out of the 80 projects that, I, that, that I'd done that, that hadn't got on, this was the first time I'd done one about policemen. How happy are you with John Sim? You must be over the moon. Well, I mean, Luke, you know, John Sim is a world-class actor and I'm very proud to say that he was attached to this project from very, very early on. I mean, the truth is that he was the only name on the list that we wanted to play this yeah. Marcus Farrow character because, you know, it is a... It's a, it's a unique character in the sense of the things that he does. You know, he, 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 you're looking at some, some real well-acted scenes from, from John in this, and we knew that's what it would take because we knew that what we had to do here was really tug on the heartstrings. You know, you really had to feel this guy's dilemma. You really had to understand what it was he was trying to get back to, and that would have taken an, an actor with incredible depth, and John, John has that. And, and what happened with John was that, you know, Nicola obviously knew him. They'd worked together on Exile the year before. And I had written the first draft of the, uh, of the script, and it went to John. And within 24 hours, John had come back and said, yeah, I've been really, really keen to do that. And I think recently, because John Sim has the best fans in the world, and he has the most passionate fans in the world, and they dug out a, uh, a tweet that John and I exchanged in, on the 13th of September 2012, uh, in which I said to John had just announced that he was going to be, be starring in the first series of The Village and I tweeted I pray that's not all we see you in next year and he tweeted back I uh. the same thing and at the time <laughs> the, the, the fans had said thought that I was like an idiot who couldn't spell and that John was <laughs> <laughs> the truth was we knew then I mean that, and what's nice is obviously from, from the writing of um, episode one draft two John Sim has been Marcus Farrow in my head, and that makes things easy when you can actually see the guy that you, that you, that's going to be playing the role, you know? I think also what John brings to it is, as you say, an, a, a strange believability. You just you don't question for a second that he would behave this way no. because of the way John carries himself. It's just it's just completely believable from, from the word go. I mean, people say to me, you know, is it as good as you imagine? And the genuine hand-on-heart truth is that it's, it's, it's miles better than I imagined it would be. And I think you, can't, you cannot say further than that as a writer. When you hand the scripts over to somebody like Nick and they start shooting, do you then step away or were you involved? Well, I did. I mean, I was... As it carried what on. I, what I said from day one is, I'm the, if you need me. And there, there were the occasional phone call, you know, a, the twist, a slight change to a, a line of dialogue or something like that. But at the end of the day, you know, it, it was a very intense shoot as well as you've seen, you know. This is a very action-led mm. drama, and they don't necessarily want the bloody writer sat there looking over the shoulder and what have you. But I also trusted Im impeccably, you know, the choices that Nicholas Schindler made. And when I when I met Nick, I trusted, you know, totally the the, the choices that he was going to make. And I knew that it was in the best hands. I mean, all you have to do is go on IMDb and you click on my name, and it's Chris Lumpre, now tells. You click on every other bugger, and it's bloody World War Z, Quantum of Solace, you know. So I had no right to go down there and start, you know, huffing and puffing and sitting on my canvas chair with Chris Lumpre sitting on back. You know, I, I didn't have the place to do that. Don't you know who I am? Yeah, yeah. Guy go, on, go on IMDb, check me out. He's a bloke over here, doesn't yeah. know who he is. <laughs> okay, so... You start with episode one and you made a conscious decision that uh, you were going to start with a bang, quite literally, yeah. and go back. Yeah. Is that is that um, a way of drawing the audience in? Is that is that something you did with the first script? Or was that um, sort of spoken about afterwards that you should start sort of midway through and then flash back? The first script, when I first sat down to write this, the, the scene, when I first sat down to write the outline of the first script, it started with the crash and then jumped back three days. Wake up! 
Wake up! I can smell petrol! Guy's injured! Come on! Get with it! Get with it! Get us out! You need to open the door! Out! Come on! You know, it was actually inspired by a Star Trek book I once read that did the same thing. Uh, about halfway through production, the Nick Murphy had stitched those scenes together um, uh, for us to have a look. So, so about halfway through production, all the cast and crew sat down and they saw, and basically they, they watched the first ten minutes of it. And we all agreed that if you sit down to watch Prey and you see that first two minutes thirty seven seconds, you're not going to turn it over. Because you yes, know, I agree. you know what is coming, and that was always what I planned to do. There was, there's a hook, basically, and that was what it was. Just seemed to me like a, like a good idea. But from day one, from sitting down to write the treatment, it started with the uh, with, with the crash of the prison van, and then jumped back in time, and it was just it was just a you know a, a brainwave. Do you, do you feel like anyone can write a television script? Do you feel like it's in most of us to be able to write a television script, or is there something in you that allows you? to do it do you think I think very often people try that perhaps can't that's, that's the problem I think I, I mean I know there, there tends to be two kind of writers uh, certainly emerging writers that, um, that I know of and there are those that are desperate to work in TV and are very creative and what have you and you always find that they're doing a dozen other things as well as writing they'll be directing dramas they'll be producing short films they'll be doing whatever trying to get on any ladder as opposed to the writing ladder I was always focused wholly on being a writer. I have no ambition to be anything else but a writer. And the ones mm. that kind of, uh, you know, some people make a pretty good living kind of being jack of all trades kind of thing and, and turning, their out, turning their hands at all kinds of little things. But in my experience, the, the people that have really made it as writers are those that focus wholly on writing. Now, I think, you know, a lot of things come into play. You certainly become a, a better writer the longer you spend at it. I mean, if I was to show you the stuff I was doing 10 years ago, it's abysmal and it's abysmal, you know, by anyone's standard, it's crap. But I think the stuff I'm doing today, because you, 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 you kind of, through experience, like anything else, you get an ear for what you're doing. You know, you get, a, you get a kind of instinct for what feels right. I've just read about this script that I've written, that I've just written called Dreamland for ITV. And, you know, I know it's a strong first draft. Um, whereas, you know, I'll, I'll read other people's stuff and I know that they're not perhaps very good first drafts. So the answer basically is I think you have to have something in you. You have to have some sort of basic foundation of creativity. But the truth is that what it really takes is commitment and focus and sticking at it and working year on year on year to, to kind of uh, improve your writing. And eventually you get to a point where it almost becomes second nature. What I want to say to anyone out there who's kind of started is it has taken me 10 years of solid graft to win my first commission. And I've, all, and I've thought for the last, you know, six, seven years, I've been a pretty good writer. It's something that a writer gets asked a lot, but how much of you is in Prey? I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, obviously a fictional story, but how much of yourself do you put into a character like Marcus or Sean, or do you, do you try not to? I mean, what, well, where do you go there? The, the, the family side of things, I mean, I'm a father, I've got two young kids. When I was thinking, what are the stakes here for Marcus? I couldn't, mind any, I couldn't imagine anything worse than a threat to my family or lose my kids. So that, that was something that I felt, you know, that, that really tapped into. I, there, was, there were times when I wrote scenes where I had to walk away from the computer because they were so heart-wrenching. So that, mm -hmm. that was, you know, the experience of being a father is what, 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 what the stakes that I set up in prayer were, were absolutely about. I think a lot of the time, I mean, you know, 
maybe I, I would like to be like Marcus Farrow. I'd like to be as funny as Devlin. You, you put an idealised sense of yourself in, in people kind of thing. And as we, we move forward into episode two, for me it became completely apparent why this you decided to call this piece Prey. Because Marcus is, is virtually hunted mm. in this, this second episode. Yeah. It becomes a real cat and mouse game. Boss, there's been an accident. Farrow's escaped. He's out there alone and he's unstable. You have to find him. He's not just running and he's not behaving like a fugitive. He's looking for something. Are those scenes exciting to write or exciting to shoot? Uh, they, were, they, were, because... they were both. I mean, the interesting thing is, I mean, I'll give you a good example. One of my, um, one of the things I do when I'm writing a script is that I always try to make the script feel like the episode that you're watching. Now, that might sound very obvious, but you'll be amazed how many, you know, I always get sent scripts to read and what have you, and I obviously take the time to read scripts, and very often you'll get what's supposed to be a, an, an action, high, uh, you know, fast-paced action drama, and the script's anything but. The script is boring. So I always tried to, uh, to, to make the script feel like I wanted the episode to feel. So in episode two, there's a scene where, um, and it's on the advert, where, uh, where Farrow almost gets knocked over by a train. He's running across a train track and a train, a train almost knocks him over. And I wrote that in the script thinking, well, this will never get bloody shot because they're never going to throw Marcus... They're not going to throw John <laughs> Simmons in front of a train. But I wanted to give that thrill. So I even worked yeah. out the script and did the, did, did the script so that you, you, you got that when you turned the page over. So, you know, there's this moment where in the script you're reading it, you go, my God, he almost gets hit by a train. And so I tried to make the, right, the reading of the script as exciting as the watching of the episode. And, by, and the strategy there was that people would put it down and think, oh my God, I've got to see that. At the end of the day, everything that we do as writers is a sales document because the product is the, pro, the, 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 the film or the TV series. And the truth is we don't make that. So you are a link in a chain and you're trying to get that, that, you're trying to go beyond your link. So what you're doing is, whether it's a treatment or a C by scene or a script, it's got to be a sales document and you've got to sell the idea. Everything's a pitch. Everything's a pitch, yeah. isn't it, really? Yeah, of course it is. As far as, as, far as where the story goes, mm-hmm. did you, did, are you one of those people that, because I remember Paul Abbott saying that when he sat down to write State of Play all those years ago, he wrote the first one and was intrigued enough didn't know exactly where it was going to go by the end. This is obviously a three-parter rather than a six. So did you have a clear idea of a beginning, middle and end here? There is a, there's a final scene that we, that, that, that we knew. So we knew how the final five minutes worked on day one when we sat down. But the truth is, I'd written the first episode. Everyone got very excited about it. I wrote the second episode. Everyone got very excited about it. <laughs> I sat down with my... Um, with my uh, script editor from Red Productions, Richard Fee, who is just absolutely fantastic, and Caroline, Caroline Hollick from Red Productions as well, who is also equally brilliant. And we used to go brainstorming and storylining up in Leeds. And they sat me down and they said, right, Chris, well, ITV want to see episode three. What happens? And I said, well, I have not got a clue. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> I said, I don't know. So, you know, we knew what the last scene was, but episode three—I mean, and episode three, in my opinion, is uh, is the most thrilling episode. But, you know, at the end of the yeah. day, you, 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 you know, I think the uh, you know it's the best thing for a writer to do to not to think too much about the future, to never think that any step on the way is going to necessarily lead to the next step, because obviously you want it 
to happen. You desperately want it to happen. You want it to happen like nothing more in the world. But if you fixate on, 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 on getting there, you're going to go mad. Every, every step of the way is a, is a success. Is there anything you, you watch and think, oh, I, I, I wish I'd written that, or I wish I was as good as that, or is there anything you've written that, or anything that you've seen, rather, that you think, I could have done a better job on that, perhaps? I mean, is it a bit of a busman's holiday now, watching TV for you? Well, and I was reflecting on this the other day. I don't know whether it's because I'm kind of in now, but it feels to me like the most exciting time for British TV in, in, in years, as far as I can see. I and when you see, you know, stuff like, you think of, of one year, and you have Broadchurch, Chris Chibnall's Broadchurch, which is just, you know... Has, has just done well all around the world. When you look at Jed Mercurio and, and Line of Duty, which is just brilliant TV, you know, Doctor Who is kind of a world phenomenon. What a fantastic time to be a writer and what a fantastic, you know, industry to be in, the British TV industry. And I think, I, I think it, there's never been a better time for TV. And I'm very proud, you know, to say that I'm a good mate with the likes of Jed Mercurio uh, and that, you know, it seems to me at the moment that, that TV seems to be full of really good people. You know, people like Toby Whithouse, they can't, you know, they're always there to offer a bit of advice or, you know, if you go to the BBC Writers Festival, you've got, um, you know, real top flight writers who you can just walk up and talk to and none of them, and they all seem to be, you know, willing to, to, to give you advice and give you a hand up and, and what have you. No one seems to be out there kind of trying to hold you back and I, I think that's, that's very thrilling. So Monday night's going to arrive and Prey will be on. Let's pretend that you need to convince a living room of six people to sit down on nine o'clock. Don't record it on your Skybox or your Freeview box. Sit down, watch it live, Monday night at nine. How do you convince Well, them? I think if you want to see something that's thrilling, fast-paced, you know, cinematic in its outlook and has got a world-class actor portraying a really interesting, like you say, an anti-hero with a, a, a cast of characters around him that you're just going to want to see more and more of, I think you can't do better than sit down and watch Prey. And I think in amongst some very interesting, very dark, very exciting drama, Prey holds its own. And, uh, and if, you, if you enjoy drama, if you enjoy losing three hours of your life to something really exciting, then Prey is a project to watch. And also, it is a kind of lager, so have this with your <laughs> said, uh, the first episode said um, written by Chris Lunt and my first note that went back was written created by Chris Lunt <laughs> <laughs> not that I'm getting too big for my boots no. or anything, but just, yeah, just actually, remember who I am Chris Lunt's prayer that's what I asked for <laughs> okay, well, I, I have to commend it. It's it's thoroughly enjoyable. I've been banging on about it on Twitter yeah, really uh, for a while that, now, and when you see it, you will understand why. It's absolutely fantastic. Chris, thank you ever so much. Prey starts Monday, the 28th of April, on ITV. Please, I know I keep saying it, make sure you watch it. John Sim is incredible. If you want to download this podcast, you can do. Go to thecustardtv.com, hit download. You can also follow me on Twitter, at LukeCustardTV, and send Chris a lovely message on Twitter as well, at at DodgeTheDraft. Pray, 9 o'clock Monday, ITV. Download this podcast from thecustardtv.com. Discover, this is Daniela. Hi, it's Jennifer Coolidge. I just want to thank you for making me feel so special. I earned cash back on debit for my dinner party groceries. That's great, but with Discover Cashback Debit, we give everyone cash back on everyday purchases. Anything else I can help you with? Do you like asparagus and mushroom sorbet? I've got leftovers. Introducing Discover Cashback Debit, a checking account with cash back. It pays to discover. Eligibility in terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC.